Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Good morning, and welcome to another episode of the Solar Panel. I'm excited to see you guys here. We have a great, great show today. Um, I'm going. I'm doing the tour around the uh, around the internet and and bringing in several guest hosts. and And this weekend, I'm I'm very very excited to have some guest hosts coming in. Uh, first thing I want to do though is do a little bit of housekeeping with y'all. Um, as you guys know, we um, are doing a little bit of a new show format. I am running the show. I'm also doing midweek interviews with some of the biggest names in uh, national media anyway. Um, if you've missed any of my recent audio only midweek shows, you guys got to check them out because I've got, I've had people from Bleacher Report, from The Ringer, from ESPN, from The Athletic, from all over the place. Uh, so you guys got to, ha- you guys got to check out those midweek shows. Today, we have a great show for you. I'm going to bring on a couple of guest hosts. You, you'll recognize at least the names of them, if not the faces. Many of you will recognize the faces. First one I'm going to bring on is Cody Hunt from Sun's Twitter. You guys know Cody very, very well from the Twitter world. And uh, it's he's not he's one of those that's not even afraid to show his face. So I'm sure most of you recognize recognize his face. How you how you doing, Cody? I'm doing excellent, Dave. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <clears throat> I think the solar panel is, and I'm going to flatter you a little bit here. I think it was the first great Suns podcast. There's been a lot of Suns podcasts that have popped up over the years. And I remember when I first listened to this one, I thought this is what I'm looking for in a Suns podcast. And and since then, I feel like some some have come and and kind of matched you guys, which is great. But this was the first one that I thought really started getting the job done. So it's a huge honor to be on here today. Wow. Thank you very much, Cody. I really appreciate that. I didn't even pay him, guys. I didn't even pay him. (laughs) The second guest I've got on here, second, because I love doing threesomes. So the second guest I've got on here, you'll recognize him. You'll recognize this guy from the chat every Saturday, Coach Fallen Founder. What's up? How's it going? You told me three-way, so I got my... Shades on. I'm ready for some hot stuff on the panel today. <laughs> Coach is one of those guys who is on every every podcast in the chats. We really appreciate you. Uh, great insights. And now we get to see this guy's face. We get to hear his him actually make the statements without being buried in everybody else's comments. So this is this is wonderful. We're not going to miss a word you say because you can just say it right here, man. I don't even have to donate money to be heard this time. This is going to be great. <laughs> well, you can still donate money. If anyone wants to donate money, there's a super chat. <laughs> Feel free. But Co- uh, uh, Coach Fallen Founder is one of our original Flaming Ballers. Uh, you all know who the Flaming Ballers are. Those are the folks who um, make the really stupid decision to give me money. Uh, I really appreciate that. I spend it on the best things. We used to have Tim who would spend it on new glasses. He would change glasses every segment. Um, but now now I guess I get to spend it on new Suns gear um, so I can do that. And uh, thank you very much for joining us today, everybody. Thank you, Cody. Thank you, Coach Fallen Founder. Uh, we are excited to have you. Uh, Cody, Cody's got a great segment coming up. I've even come up with a little name for it. So uh, he's got a segment coming up later on in the show. 
We have a lot of things we're going to be covering in the show today. I want to give you get you guys all set up. Uh, we are we are going to be talking a little bit about releasing the releasing of Tyshawn Alexander from a contract that didn't even need to be released. But we can we can go into more depth on that one um, and say what does it mean about the future of the Suns? Is it all starting to fall apart already? Um, who are we going to spend uh, put in that last roster spot? We'll talk about that uh, for the Suns, and we'll talk about the Aztec uniform design. We're going to talk about um, any games you're circling on the calendar. As as the uh, these are these are games that will tell us how this this year's Suns team is going to do. We've got Cody's spot, which I'm going to let him, uh, Cody's corner actually, uh, where I'm going to let Cody actually talk about um, uh, a particular topic that's interesting to him and all of you too. But he's the one who came up with it, so I'm going to give him full credit. But then our biggest topic of the day, our biggest topic of the day is. Did we just witness the best Suns team in 53 years of franchise history? Or were there better teams out there and we're only suffering from recency bias? That is what we're going to talk about. That's our biggest topic of the day. So there's our, uh, there's our little housekeeping. Please, everyone, give us a thumbs up in the, uh, you know, the little up thumb there. Uh, and if you feel so inclined, go ahead and join us. Uh, and uh, and throw some money. I'll even share it with these guys if you guys donate some money today. So, um, you know, a five dollar donation goes a long way. So we'll we'll uh, we'll do that. I appreciate you. I see some people commenting already in the chat. Um, let's get going on this thing. Let's talk about it. So the first thing we are going to do is we are going to talk about Tyshawn Alexander. I'm going to start with you, Cody. Tyshawn Alexander, let me give everybody a heads up. Tyshawn, for those who don't know, Tyshawn Alexander hardly played for the Suns last year. However, he's one of the youngest guys on the team. He was on a two-way contract throughout the year. He spent about half the year, some of the year, in that little mini G League um, uh, schedule last spring. And he uh, played for the Suns in Summer League this summer. He is not on a guaranteed contract, never has been. Uh, but he was on one of their two ways, and uh, he has been released from his responsibilities of being a Suns player and a, a two-way player. So, Cody, what do you think about Tyshawn? This is a disappointing uh, development for sure because he was on a two-way contract. You know, this isn't taking away a roster spot with, from someone else that could be coming in later. This is an opportunity the Suns had to to develop a young player. I'm not going to say, like, I'm devastated. Like, I've seen some Suns fans that kind of act like the sky is falling. I don't think the sky is falling because we don't have Tyshawn Alexander. But the way I see it, this is an opportunity the Suns had to to have another bite at the apple, and they've chosen chosen to, to not have it, basically. It's like, yeah, maybe there was a 5% chance that Tyshawn was going to be a good player in the future that he was going to be in the Suns rotation and now there's a zero percent chance that that the Suns are going to have a rotation player from a two-way spot so it's not choosing to have that two-way spot filled is just strange to me it reminds me of a of a Sarver move of years past where he was just selling off draft picks and kind of making these moves with with no upside whatsoever so I'm disappointed for sure but you know at the end of the day it is what it is what do you think Fallen Founder? Ooh, uh Cody I think you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, you know, 
getting rid of the uh, the developmental team, uh, kind of just moving away from that whole aspect. I mean, uh, I'm not going to you know bring up the uh, the excellent court case, uh, Dave, that you guys had uh, on the McDonough versus uh, James Jones. Uh, yeah, last year, yeah, put yes. him on trial. <laughs> but you know, th- there are these moments where it's just I, other. I, you don't see a whole lot of other teams just saying, "Okay, we're not even really going to follow." Um, and try and develop any uh, other players. And Tyshawn, I don't know if he was the next, um, you know, uh, great ro- rotation player, but we've seen this team uh, develop players, uh, and and some of them have come out of nowhere. We we sometimes forget that PJ Tucker was kind of pulled off the scrap heap when we picked him up years ago. There are players that can be found there, and I just worry that it's they haven't really figured out a way to utilize the two-way spot and and maybe last year was just so good but you know we we had that point guard carousel and you have to wonder if uh maybe if we were trying to actually groom and develop uh point guards uh in a developmental league that maybe we could have avoided the um uh what was it isaiah cannon uh the mike james the uh uh the kind of just the never-ending uh, disappointment there, and so I, I'm I'm a little bit worried that this organization just does not look too much beyond the first round. Uh, I don't think they have much of an interest in second round or developmental league type players, and that's either we have our guy or there's nobody else out there for us. Yeah, it's really interesting. That is a standard. That is a common uh, reaction, and it's one that you should have. If you, so I'm gonna I'm gonna talk through this a little bit. <clears throat> on the one hand, you've got we've got the uh, post-traumatic sons disorder. I'm not going to take away from the official PTSD, but we have our own version of a lowercase PSD. Um, we have the Sarver disorder as well. You could say that is the S in the PTSD. Um, they did they did have a habit of getting rid of draft picks in the early uh, seven seconds or less years, and that really cost the team when there were injuries. Uh, if you guys. If you guys might remember, I don't know, maybe you remember, but the Suns always had injuries or suspensions in the playoffs. That it sure would have been nice to have a good young player to hop to step into that rotation and backfill for a dude that was out. Uh, and so the Suns, they suffered in, in terms of depth when they didn't have those young guys coming off the bench who were playable. And then in the years the Suns did have some young guys on the bench, they weren't that playable. Remember Alondo Tucker? I mean, they kept him around for a couple of years when they really didn't need to. He really wasn't an NBA-level player. Um, but basically, uh, the, the key is you've got to have guys coming off the deep bench who can play in a pinch. James Jones' opinion on this appears to be, I'd rather have a guy in his mid-career who's proven he can play in a pinch than someone who's never played in a tight spot because I don't know how he's going to react. Monty Williams showed us that he'd rather play guys he trusts not to make mistakes than guys he who uh, who might have a highlight play every once in a while. So when uh, when it came down to it, who did he play a backup point guard when uh, Campaign and and Chris Paul were out? He played Etwan Moore. Is Etwan Moore a backup point guard? No. Did he, but did Etwan Moore ever turn over the ball? No. That's why. That's so. Basically, between Monty and James, they'd rather go with mid-career guys or late-career guys than uh, young guys coming off the deep bench if they're willing to accept that job. Now, two-way players. Why would you release one of your two-way players? I mean, 
you've got two two-way roster spots. It's not like you needed the roster spot or or the two-way spot. Two-way basically, what's the value of a two-way player? Um, value of a two-way player is they get they make at most half of what a guaranteed contract makes, and they're available for almost as much as you could possibly need them. What's wrong with that? Why would you not have two two-way players? Letting go of Tyshawn Alexander is is unless they have two other two-way players they're going to sign right away, great. But guess what? What did they do last year, Cody? Did they bring in two two-way players last year? Nope. No. <laughs> they had one, and his name was Tyshawn, and they didn't keep it. So I, that, I, I keep coming back to uh, – yeah, I keep coming back to, like, I'm thinking of the Toronto Raptors. They had Fred Van Vliet on their G League team, and they were grooming him and developing him, and now look at him. He's their starting guard. And 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 that's not always the case, but if you just utilize those spots, you give yourself a chance to maybe you know get lucky, yeah. and then you end up getting a really cheap player that can help you once we're paying eight and we're paying Bridges, we're paying Booker. And so I think we need to be kind of investing in youth for when we need those cheap players. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so says Jay says, why does it matter? Um, it, it matters a little bit in the, okay. So we all want young players on the roster, but what we're really saying is we want young, good players on the roster, right? Who cares if you've got a young player who can't play on the roster? So, it could be that they decided that Tyshawn Alexander just wasn't going to beat out anybody else that was on the roster. So why keep him? Um, but then bring in somebody who might be able to, you know, keep looking, keep bringing in other two way players. They're, they're cheap. They're easy. Yeah. Maybe he's not going to get in the rotation this year, but if he's good and he's talented, maybe he will. Um, what kind of contract did Terrence Mann have last year? Coach, what do you, did, do you, are you aware? Terrence Mann, he has 39 points in the uh, second round of the playoffs in one game to close out the Jazz. Was he Was he on a two-way? He was on a two-way. Well, Terrence now I really Mann want Tyshawn. Was a Tyshawn player <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying that Tyshawn is Terrence Mann. Huh. What we're saying is having an extra guy off the end of the roster who's got some talent is it can be important. So, well, and and I think exactly what you guys are saying. It's it's. I mean, what did what was the complaint as soon as we hit past the uh, trade deadline, went into the playoffs? Was we don't have a backup big man that can actually protect the rim at all. Uh, I mean, Frank Kaminsky wasn't going to do it. Dario wasn't going to be able to do it. And no, I'm not saying that. Uh, you know, there was that one guy. I know who he was, and he played for the team in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. No, but I mean, it, there's nothing that hurts the team by bringing in these guys. Uh, to try and see what they could do uh, in spot minutes in practices against DA. And, you know, I, I sometimes think, uh, was who did the Suns have back during seven seconds or less? Um, I think John, was it John Collins or Josh Collins, uh, one of the twins? Uh, and they, Jaron Collins. Jaron Collins, sorry. And they continued to start him uh, for whatever reason. And he got <laughs> five minutes uh, every game, and it was painful to watch and i have to think that there's some he was hungry frank. players out there that um you know that might be able to fill that back end of the roster spot and maybe all they do is play good defense in the post that's all we needed um was just somebody that was good at that one thing and it doesn't hurt yeah i guess i'm not worried so much about tyshawn i'm worried about the philosophy of the front office will yeah. they actually fill these spots and and choose to take advantage of that option it's been really obvious that that james jones 
doesn't have respect for the G League. Uh, it, you can't argue that. You can't argue against that. They let go of their entire G League team. Now, was that in and of itself a problem? No, because you can just assign guys to other G League teams. But the problem with that is that you can't control their minutes that they get to play. So uh, actually last year, Tyshawn and uh, and um, Jalen Smith were assigned to two different G League teams for stints. Jalen Smith got on a team that needed, uh, theoretically needed a, a big, big guy on their roster, but he didn't play because he wasn't that team's affiliated player. And so he barely played and he didn't get a really great shot. So it was kind of a waste of a G League assignment for, for Jalen Smith. So we, it's obvious that James Jones doesn't care about G, G League. Should we care about G League? Probably less than we think we should. I mean, G League is, is really not a developmental league. It's more of a minor league. And, and maybe you find, obviously, you can find diamonds in the rough. You can find guys who are pretty good down there. But uh, it's very likely that those guys are not going to make a major NBA rotation. So it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, so says Jay is just getting into it in the, in the chat. <laughs> I noticed. Uh, Typical Suns, lawyer. Did the Suns make the finals? Lawyer. Yes, of course they made the finals. Did they need Tyshawn? No, they didn't. Did they need Jalen Smith? No, they didn't. But if there's injuries, they need to know they've got guys who can play. And, and so they just have to fill out the roster is all uh, for sure. So uh, there you go. I'd rather the Suns had the other um, – Det Nibul, I don't know how to say that, or maybe it's, it's Lubin Ted. Ted Lubin, going backwards, how about we do that? Uh, said that uh, maybe the other Alexander, Kyle Alexander, could be a good two-way as a backup big. My problem with Kyle Alexander from Summer League was that um, Jared Dudley jumped higher than him. I just felt like he had no lift, especially on, <laughs> on, on, on lobs to the rim and stuff like that. Nothing against Kyle Alexander. I can't jump either. So, um, um, yeah. So anyway, all right, let's, uh, so Tyshawn, does it spell the end of the youth movement? No. And overall, no, because you've still got 23-year-old DeAndre and just turned 23. You've got Jalen Smith just turned 21. You've got Mar Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, all these guys who are still young and still early in their careers. Age doesn't necessarily matter as much as experience and ability to be able to, you know, grow into a bigger role. They have a lot of guys who can do that. Um, so I, I think the Suns youth movement is not over. I think James Jones just doesn't want too many of the young guys. All right. Any other comments on Tyshawn before we go to our next topic, guys? It, it's just, you know, to me, it's, uh, I feel like Sarver, Sarver's approach to James Jones was, Hey, maybe I don't know what I'm doing. I want you to kind of take the reins, but I still want to find ways to cut costs. So fewer two-way players, uh, let's not do any development league. Don't let uh, fans bring their own nachos into the arena. I mean, it's like he just he has to have that one thing that he can just still be like, ah, we're saving money somewhere. <laughs> well, maybe, you know, it, it, look, if letting Tyshawn go actually um, funds the bill, the electric bill so we can keep the nachos hot, then maybe it's <laughs> worth it. Maybe it's all worth it. It's true. Because, uh, you know, between the two things, I, I think I'd rather have the nachos. Nothing against Tyshawn. All right, so let's move on to our next topic. The Suns have 14 roster spots under guarantee contract. They need another player. They likely need another guy who can be a big man in the rotation. 
do you guys want someone like Kevin Love, if he's bought out, to play in their rotation and get minutes? The most comparable thing you could probably come up with is maybe a Blake Griffin type where he kind of plays himself back into into effective um, um, playing shape. But he's been terrible in Cleveland. And um, is he really worth it over developing a Jalen Smith? So uh, let's start with you this time, Coach. Would you want a Kevin Love, or would you rather just stick with a Jalen Smith? I'll, I'll be honest. I don't even think we have a shot at Kevin Love. I mean, uh, what, the early news already is that, yeah, they're working towards buying him out. And uh, LeBron and uh, Russ Westbrook, uh, they're already saying, hey, come on down uh, to Los Angeles and, uh, and join the uh, championship sweepstakes where all the old players are going to go and try and win a title. Um, you know, Thad Young, Everybody's though. been rumored to the Lakers, though, right? I mean, hasn't the entire league been rumored to the Lakers? I haven't heard Thaddeus Young get rumored at all to them. Uh, I, I think you're going to look at uh, a player like a Thad Young, I, you know, if he becomes available, that's uh, that's the one I would jump for. I, I, Kevin Love, I mean, would I like him to join on a cheap contract? Absolutely. But um, I just, I, I don't even think, I don't even think it's likely to happen. Well, let's just say it does, though. If it does, let's say he joins the roster. This is the guy who uh, they really wanted him to be able to make Team USA as a big. Uh, he bowed out. Um, he's played in Cleveland the last couple of years, barely played at all. Cody, do you still think he's got something in the tank? I'd be willing to take a flyer on him. You know, I think that when I think of the Suns roster, he's not going to be starting, obviously. We want Jay, we want Mikhail as the forwards. For the backups, we kind of have – I don't really see a true power forward in the on the bench unit. We've got Cam Johnson. We've got Abdul Nader, who are both more small forwards, can play the, the four if it's a small ball lineup. We've got Jalen Smith, who you could argue whether he should be a four or a five, but I don't see any true kind of prototypical power forward on the bench. So just to have some lineup versatility, I wouldn't mind it. I would, I would take a flyer. He can shoot, he can pass. And I think it might be a little bit of a Blake Griffin situation where what Blake was doing in Detroit, maybe wasn't his full effort. I think he might have a little more to, to offer if he's on an actual good team. I think the biggest thing there, uh, if you're, if you're wondering if the Suns have a shot is his relationship with James Jones. Because if you've seen some quotes of his before, when he was teammates with James Jones in Cleveland, he said that, you know, James was the guy he could talk to about anything, that he's the best teammate he's ever had. So that's our one shot at Kevin Love, I think, is is, is if Champ can uh, pull the strings there. Yep. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from Kevin Love. I, I, I feel like he's... He can shoot the three without paying, without caring, right? So he'll be like uh, Jay Crowder in, in terms of being able to. He'll just he'll just take threes whenever needed. He can also rebound really well. So in that respect, he's kind of like the Jalen Smith type, where he can rebound and he can take threes, and he might be more more successful and, and consistent at those. But I, I just feel like he's going to be a turnstile on defense. So that's my that's my big worry. Can the Suns' team defense cover for him? Possibly. Uh, would you like to have him as your 15th guy who could maybe start sometimes and be effective and actually win and help win a playoff game? Sure. Uh, so, you know, if he's available for the minimum uh, or some version of the minimum, whatever the Suns have left under their cap, 
I wouldn't be totally against it. Uh, no, they have not used, just to give um, some answers to, to Brendan in the chat there, uh, they have not used their base, uh, excuse me, biannual exception. That's worth almost $4 million a year for two up to two years. You can do it for one year or two years. They have not used a little bit more than that, about $4.5 million on their mid-level exception, which could be a contract of multiple years, up to three or four years at a time. I doubt they would want to do that with uh, – they wouldn't want to give – um, Kevin Love more years guaranteed than than Chris Paul, so we'll see on that one. Otherwise, I think a, just a league minimum would be fine too because he's going to still make almost thirty million a year from Cleveland for the next two years. So if that's the way it is, um, as Jim Rose Circus says, uh, what's Love got to do with it? Just oh, well, I won't read the second part of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, but Dave, and, and I want to touch on something that Cody wrote. I mean, or mentioned, uh, you know, the lack of true power forwards that are kind of available. I mean, I, I don't. Did Paul Millsap sign anywhere uh, yet? I'm not. Uh, I haven't seen if he had. But nope. Laurie Markinen's new contract. My goodness, I think if if you can get Kevin Love for the minimum, then then James Jones is. Kevin Love's absolute best friend because, uh, <laughs> I mean, the money they're throwing down for a stretch four right now that can't play defense is absurd. Um, the, the money he got, I, I thought we might have a shot by just offering what's left of our mid-level exception and just say, hey, you're going to have a shot to maybe start on the Suns. But, I mean, he was that guy was smart. He held out and he got his money. Lori Markkinen, man. Um, yeah, I'm a little skeptical on his upside uh, as far as being, you know, being worthy of that contract. But you know what? That's just the going rate in the NBA these days, I guess. Uh, this is, this is, uh, oh shoot, is it Minnesota or Cleveland? He, he went, went to, to Cleveland. Went to Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, to go That's join. Who's going to be playing next? To Evan Mobley and, and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jared Allen. Um, that could be a very interesting team in Cleveland for sure. And uh, would, will Laurie help them any more than he helped the Bulls? That's the question, right? I mean, he didn't help the Bulls make the playoffs, so why, why does Cleveland think he will? But I don't know. Uh, but you're right. On the, on the contract amount, he got a lot of money. He got a lot of money to play basketball as a stretch forward, can't play defense. If Kevin Love, like you said, um, Kevin Love is, uh, is, is comparable and can be comparable to that, I would think. Um, yeah, the thing I didn't like, that's right. That's why I was hesitating is, is, um, the Blazers got Nance in the deal. Um, that's, that's the part that I actually lament the most. I don't, I don't miss losing out on Laurie marketing. I miss losing out on, on Larry Nance jr. He would have been great as that fourth big wing in the rotation to take Torrey Craig's place. That's what the Suns are really still missing, I think. Well, absolutely. Nance can do so much. I mean, he's kind of a point-forward type uh, player as well. And, I mean, that – yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm i not quite yeah. sure what Cleveland's doing. <laughs> yeah. So, as far as Thad Young, there hasn't been any rumors on that yet. Thad Young makes $14.4 million this year. So, the Suns would have to do salary matching to get him. Um and it would just be for one year until he becomes a free agent. And he's on the back half of backslide of his career. I don't know if I'd want uh, to give up Jalen Smith. If they'll take Dario, great, but that's only $9 million of it. Um, they would have to throw in someone like a Jalen Smith to get. Would you trade Jalen Smith for Thad Young? Uh, Cody. <laughs> Cody first. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Uh, I've been a big Thad Young stand for ages, actually. I've, I've wanted him on the sun since I don't even know when. Um, so if we could get Thad Young, I think that would be much more to my preference than Kevin Love. I think Kevin Love might be a better shooter at this point, but Thad Young's better at just about everything else. I think he, he fits kind of the mold of players that don't really have weaknesses. That's what I loved about this last year's team is that it seemed like just about yeah. every player on the team could pass, could shoot, could defend, whereas Kevin Love would be a target on defense, and that's not really a player that we had at all last year is a player like that. So Thad Young would be my, to my preference, and I agree with you, Larry Nance, to get him back here, or not back here, to get him here uh, to follow in the in his father's footsteps I think would have been the ideal situation. But, yeah, if we could get Thad Young, that, that would be nice. Yeah, Coach, I cut you off. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I, I jumped in because <laughs> I wanted that trade to happen so bad. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think as Suns fans, uh, we had a very rough decade where we really bought into the potential of every young player that we came across. And so, uh, you know, Jalen Smith, I like that he led uh, the summer league in rebounding, but it, it's it's okay to let go of some of these guys if we get back a for sure thing, which uh, Thad Young is. We don't have to worry, you know, like with the Kevin Love, well, does he have anything left in the tank? I mean, we know Thad Young could come in and continue to play. He could probably play uh, this, this son's brand of basketball. And uh, it's just, I'm just so glad we're past those years of just every year being like, oh, I hope Dragon Bender adds 10 pounds of muscle. He's just, he's just <laughs> ready to go from four points a game to 20. I just feel it. He's going to dominate this year. <laughs> Yeah, so there we go. See, we spent the last segment lamenting the no youth movement. This segment, we're trading the youth. <laughs> for, for sure. <laughs> for, for, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Thing. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for Thad Young as well. I'm, I think we would end up long-term. We'd, ha we'd have a great year, but we'd end up long-term watching Coach Pop turn Jalen Smith into something we wish we had. <laughs> two years from now. That's my big worry. Uh, but I would definitely, um, I would, I would, I would do that trade as well. All right. Any other comments on uh, either any other targets you guys have that, that no one's been talking about that you think the Suns should acquire? Oh gosh. I, I, it's hard to even think who's out there and who would take the, the Sarge contract from us. Cause I really feel like that's, I mean, it, to have anyone of value, you're going to, they're going to probably be an overpaid for, um, and you know, cause otherwise you're looking at a younger player on a rookie contract probably, and no team is probably going to want to jettison from them. So, uh, yeah, uh, I see, uh, uh, Goya wrote about Amino, uh, in the chat. Mm -hmm. If we could, I mean, sure. Amino, uh, is it health that he's been bad the last few years or is it he lost his ability to make a shot? Like he was pretty good with Portland because he could he made almost 40% of his threes one year. But otherwise he's been real bad on shooting. That's my worry about him. The one guy that I've actually kind of liked for his first two years in the league and I have no idea about his availability is uh, this guy Darius Baisley in Oklahoma City. He's in his second year. Yeah. Uh, he's a solid player. I mean, he can do a little bit of everything, plays the power forward. I have no idea what uh, what Oklahoma City's plan is. I don't know if they only want a player, if they think they're going to be on, on their roster in 20, 2028. But uh, if they're looking to just get rid of guys, he's <laughs> a guy that I'd take a flyer on. Hey, uh, yeah, I would trade Alan Smith for Darius Baisley. Let's, just, <laughs> let's do it. Let's just call it done. <laughs> uh, he is a good young player for sure. Uh, he looks like he's got a ton of skills 
And uh, just like you, I don't know what Oklahoma City's plan is. I don't know. Uh, they obviously have tons of draft picks, and they have a lot of young players. Uh, Poku uh, is an interesting-looking young player. I'm not sure he's going to turn out to be a great player, but he's certainly interesting-looking. Um, all right, any other comments on Kevin Love or any other uh, rumored targets before we go to the next segment? No? no. All right. Now, um, I really wish I was good enough to be able to show the uh, Aztec uniform design here, but I haven't quite figured out the screen sharing part, so you guys are going to have to do your own Googling. <laughs> have you guys seen the new uniform design that is being recommended or suggested or whatever for the Suns this next year is their low Suns kind of version alternates? And what do you think? Cody? I think that it's a great idea. I love, absolutely love the idea of having that uh, kind of, and a lot of people have pointed out, yeah, there aren't the, you know, the Aztecs weren't an indigenous people that were here in this area. No, they were more Southern Mexico, but we're trying to reach out to the, the huge Mexican and Mexican American fan base that we have for the Suns. So I think it's a great idea. However, I didn't, I wasn't crazy about the execution of it. I thought that the Aztec, you know, symbols and designs were too subtle. If they're going to go for that, I want it to be loud and like in your face and really leaning into it. I felt like you kind of had to look at it and squint your eyes if you really want to see it. Um, if you guys all follow uh, <clears throat> Sons After Dark on Twitter, formerly uh. Sons Reddit, he came up with his own design, which was uh, maybe a little closer to what I was thinking of, where it was very loud very prominent Aztec designs. I don't know if I would go as extreme as him, but uh, I, I want something more kind of more flashy, maybe a little bit that catches your eye, not one where you have to really squint your eyes to see that it's an Aztec design. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, the, that was the first thing you saw uh, to, for, for the record, uh, you know, my, my name's actually not Fallen Founder. I am Jake Brongard. I'm from the great state of Iowa, which, as I jokingly always tell people, means that when, you're, you, when you grow up in Iowa, you become an immediate free agent for any uh, professional sports team. And so uh, my, my experience <laughs> in Arizona is, is traveling there when I was a kid and throughout my life, and, and now my folks snowbird there. And so I'll be honest, as soon as I saw the design, the first uh, reaction I had was, I don't think I've ever seen any Aztec designs in the state of Arizona. And that was the first thing that jumped out to me. We're living, uh, uh, you know, in an, an, an era that kind of, uh, we're seeing some native uh, imagery um, kind of be pushed out of professional sports. Um, and, uh, and I just thought this was a great opportunity to maybe reflect the Navajo Indians um, or, or an Indian group that's a little bit more native to Arizona to kind of show that pride, um, but to kind of adopt uh, a native culture outside of your region. And, and I get, we want to reach out to, uh, you know, Latin American fans that it's a, you know, a large uh, population group of, of Arizona, but the Aztecs aren't even, I mean, that's kind of a controversial thing, even in Mexico. I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's, uh, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's that friend that tries too hard for people to like him at, at parties and uh, <laughs> and that's that's a little bit what's going on here. I mean, you, you have so many things that you could cite uh, from Arizona that would be appealing. And I just don't feel like you, we need to go outside uh, uh, kind of the immediate region to adopt a, a, a different one. 
Yeah, I don't know what to make of it uh, either. I, I, it just hadn't occurred to me as with with all the communities in in Arizona, yeah. Texas were the ones we needed to focus on. It just it just felt like that was a little bit. I, I think the uniforms themselves are cool looking. I like yeah. the look of the uniforms themselves. I like the black with the with the dark purple. I like I, I just like the overall look of the uniforms as a black alternate for sure. Um, but I didn't, I just don't get the, the link to the Aztecs very much. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I do like them at least as a uniform, as opposed to most of the time in history, the uniforms themselves have been awful and, but the message has been good, you know? So this time, I guess they're just trying to switch it up. <laughs> Confusing message, but great looking uniforms. All right, let's, uh, that's. That's about yeah. all there is to say about that. Right? Well, I was going to say, Dave, uh, but that's actually a really good point, though. I mean, and Cody brought this up, too, uh, reaching out to the Latin American culture, uh, Dia de los Muertos, uh, so something that, uh, you know, skull and crossbones uh, into a uniform uh, with uh, traditional uh, maybe uh, colors. Uh, How have they not done that yet? Oh, my! it's sitting right in front of them. I mean, it's, it's you know, come on. You could do a special on tequila at the arena that night. This uh, It sells itself. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but they have like, the eh. Dia de los Muertos nights too. I'm pretty sure they've had that kind of night at the at the arena. That would be awesome, and that merch would sell like crazy. Oh yeah, if they could do that. So, yeah, okay, that's a good point. Um, all right, so that's about all there is to say about that. Next thing I wanted us to talk about a little bit was the schedule, but we don't have to spend too much time on this because the schedule is the schedule. We're back to an 82-game season. Uh, you play all of the all the teams in your division more than you play anybody else four games a year. You play the rest of the folks in the Western Conference three games a year, and then you play the Eastern Conference two games a year. So it's not a, as perfectly balanced as last year's schedule was. Um, it's back to the original unbalanced, more a little bit more unbalanced version. The Suns are obviously in a very tough division. Um, thankfully, the Kings are still in the Suns division, but everybody else is going to be tough to beat. Um, was there anything about that? And the Suns are on TV, 34 out of 82 games, which is really great national TV, which is really great exposure for the team. Um, what? Um, just give me one takeaway, one t one big takeaway that you took from the schedule that you're just, that's just, um, you could, you could tell a relative at a party that that's the big thing about this schedule. Uh, coach you first. Uh, February 10th. Uh, why that stood out to me? Cause that's the first time we're going to see the bucks again. And I, I, I want, I want it so bad. <laughs> I want to just get right back to work. Uh, that that's, that's easily the first one that came back to me is, uh, you know, will we see JaVale McGee make an impact in that game? Will we see the Suns, uh, you know, uh, Mikhail Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, Booker, you know, the young guys, uh, the Cams, take that next step and kind of uh, assert it. We won the regular season games this last year against them, but, oh, uh, that, that to me is going to be the big statement game that I'm looking forward to. How about you, Cody? You know, the ver the second game of the season – so we start the season off October 20th, home at, against Denver. We're going to raise that Western Conference Championship banner. And then the second game of the season, we fly to L.A. to play the Lakers. 
And I know the Lakers fans are so excited. We got <laughs> Westbrook. We got Anthony Davis is healthy again. LeBron. We're going to show the Suns that they can't beat us healthy. And then we're going to go into their house and we're going to smack around, smack them around again. We're going to beat them and show them that we weren't fully healthy either. You know, we didn't, we had Chris Paul playing with one arm and we're going to go in there yeah. and we're going to beat them and we're going to shut up those Lakers fans. That's the thing that nobody's talking about. Obviously, look, um, Anthony Davis, he was injured. LeBron James was playing at a fraction of himself. We don't know if he'll he'll get back to the original, you know, the younger version of LeBron James again, but he was definitely not playing like the assertive dominating LeBron LeBron James in that series. But you know what? That's just what happens. And the Suns had Chris Paul hobbling. That's just what happens. The fact is the Suns beat the Lakers, and that's all that matters. So uh, we'll see how that goes. That's a big game. So second game of the year for you. My big game of the year, and this is going to be a little bit self-serving, my big game of the year um, is currently being targeted at February 16th of 2022. The Suns are hosting the Rockets. Why do we think that's a big game? That's a big game because that is going to be the night of 2022's Bright Side Night. We are bringing back Bright Side Night, um, but we are not – What I was my big concern was – do we really want to subject a bunch of kids to 20,000 people in a stadium in the middle of a pandemic? What we've decided to do instead is that we're going to focus on first responders as the recipients of the tickets for Brightside Night. So what I'm going to be doing on brightsideofthesun.com, and I'm also going to be pushing it on this podcast, is that we are going to be donating game tickets to first responders, um, every, anybody on the front lines, um, in, in any of the fields that was dealing with the pandemic over this past year and a half, we're going to, we're going to buy them tickets and we're going to send them to a son's game. Um, over the first four years of doing Brightside night, um, I sent over 10,000 kids to different son's games. And that was, that was a really great accomplishment this year. We're going to focus on first responders. That's going to, that's coming up February 16th. I'm very excited for it. You'll see a lot more branding and a lot more talk about it uh, very, very soon. Uh, so look forward to that. And um, so that's my big game on the schedule this year. Uh, I love it, Dave. I just want to echo uh, the, the bright side night is something that I was very excited to donate to in the past. Uh, and, you know, as I said, growing up in Iowa, I didn't have a chance to see a game. Uh, you know, <laughs> you relied on regional television to, to broadcast any Suns game. Uh, but, uh, you know, just to think that this is an opportunity for kids, but now this time around, probably first responders to get to go sit back, enjoy a game uh, for a night, especially when the team is this good. I mean, it's almost a little cruel that you sent the kids to the games in years past now. But uh, this year, uh, they're going to have something to cheer about. And that's really good. And uh, um, and, I, and while I got it, too, I'm just going to echo uh, April 10th is apparently when they expect the uh, regular season to wrap for the Suns. Um, I might also be very interested in that game. It is just against the Kings, but um, I got to say one of the prize jewels of uh, uh, Suns Media, Al McCoy, we want to talk about the lack of a youth movement. Uh, he's not getting any younger, and and he, uh, I, I used to tune in every, all of the chances I could to internet radio to listen to that man. So um, it might be his last season. I don't know. I'm definitely going to be tuning in to the radio a few more times this season for sure. He hasn't fully announced yet, has he? but I'm not sure if this is his last season. He's getting close, uh, but he enjoys it. You know, he's having a great time, and he got to call his his third-ever finals. He's been the call 
play-by-play guy for all three of the Suns' finals appearances. Mm. All right, any other comments on the schedule before we move on to Cody's Corner? All right, Cody. Yeah, this is Cody's first time on the show, and he's already got his segment set up, so this is pretty awesome. So, Cody, let's do it. Cody's Corner. All right, Cody's Corner. Uh, Anyone that follows me on Twitter knows that I am big into stats, records, history, Uh, and a a lot of people talk about me like, oh, he's such a great Suns historian, and I I don't want to push back on that a little bit. I don't consider myself like some great Suns historian. I'm just a 29-year-old with a subscription to the basketball reference. Like, I I just spend a lot of time, like, looking up stats. Uh, There are a lot of people that, like, really know the stories way better than me. But uh, as far as being interested in the records and looking up stats, yeah, I might might kind of have a a little niche there. So I went ahead and I looked – I actually wrote about this last year for uh, my buddy uh, Brandon over at Zona, Zona Hoops. Uh, I wrote a little thing kind of looking at what records – Devin Booker could break how far he could go in the various leaderboards in Suns history throughout the rest of this contract. And so I wanted to just look at this next season. Who are the guys that Devin Booker and we're actually going to look at a couple other guys might pass on the all-time Suns leaderboards. Uh, And we're going to start with just the, the most basic one points. Currently Devin Booker is ninth in Suns history in total points with 9,395 points. This is regular season. So <clears throat> he needs – he's currently he's ninth. He's 24 years old, and he's already ninth. He's 24, and he's already ninth in Suns history. He's played wow. six seasons here. Uh, he would need 1,700 points to move into sixth, point, sixth place this, this season. So he's scored 1,700 or more each of the last two seasons, despite them being shorter seasons. So I'm guessing with an 82-season schedule, 17 is a pretty con- – 1700 is a pretty conservative amount. He's probably going to move into sixth place this season. Um, that would have him passing. So these are the guys he would pass going from ninth to sixth. He would pass Paul Westfall, Steve Nash, and Amari Stoudemire. That's some big names he's going to pass. That's amazing. So here's where we're going to turn it into a little bit of trivia. Uh, and I'm just going to let you guys shout out names as you, as you want. Uh, that means there are five other guys that would still be ahead of him after this season. Try to name as many of those players. So who are the top five Suns players in, in, in history for the most points? Okay, I'm sorry. Say it again, who he passed. Tell me or who, who he would pass this year. He would pass Steve, Amari, and who else? And Westfall. So he's currently ninth. He's going gotcha. to pass those three this season. Who are the five so are guys the he'll five still have? Still to, still to reach. All right, I'm going to say Chambers. Chambers is not there. Chambers didn't play long enough here to. Well, that's to right. He only I think, came as twenty nine years old. Yeah, coach, you go. Oh gosh, I, I, I feel like I'm on the prices right. I want to turn to the audience <laughs> and go, "What should I do?" Um, uh, so light it up in the comments because this is going to be rough. But uh, I want to say Sean Marion is going to be up there. Yes, he's number four currently. Yeah. And yep, my next dollar. one is going to be uh, uh, Det Nibul or. Ted Lubin, um, is Sweet B. <laughs> Walter Davis. I definitely think Walter Davis is up there. Number um, one. No, Fabio. I don't think Marcus Banks is on that list. <laughs> Charles, Bar- Charles, did Barkley, was he there long enough? He didn't play, uh, long, yeah. play long enough. Not in the top 10. Yeah. Alvin. Alvin, Alvin Adams, Adams is correct. He's number yes. two. 
Uh, we did name the Matrix for sure. Um, Kevin Johnson. Correct. Number three. So you've got one, two, three, and four. You haven't named number five yet. Dan Oliver Miller. Dan Marley, no. Oliver Miller, no. The answer <laughs> is the original son, Dick Van Arsdale. Oh, oh Dick. Van Arsdale no, played a long there. time here. I see C-Buck stuff. Man, if we had... C-Buck comes had, in right there. That would have been a perfect segue to the Manscaped bit that we're going to pick up again <laughs> next month. Uh, but good good on Dick Van Arsdale. Dick and Tom. Um, <clears throat> wow. I can't believe they didn't have a brother named Harry, Tom Dick and Harry. Uh, but Dick and Tom Van Arsdale played for the Suns together uh, one year, I think it was, and they, they played independently on the Suns in two different stints, and they still go to games and everything. I, I still see them around the arena. Alvin Adams still works for the Suns. Um, he's He does uh, something with the arena, um, over overseeing the arena operations. And, uh, no, this – that's great. Dragon Bender, nope, sorry. Jake Sakalitis. Um, God, I always love a Sakalitis reference. Jake Sakalitis wasn't even his real name. Uh, yeah. Yes, that's right. I just read that the other day. I was like, oh, I've been lied to. Where did we time. see that? Yeah. <laughs> that might have been, that might have been uh, um, you know, The Onion or something like that. Okay. <clears throat> All right. All right. So there, Cody, go ahead. Next yeah, one. next up. So just to recap, the top five right now are Walter Davis, Alvin Adams, Kevin Johnson, Sean Marion, Dick Van Arsdale. At the end of this next season, Devin Booker will be number six. By the end of this contract, my projections show that he will not quite pass Walter Davis, but he'll get really close. And probably if he signs his third contract here, he will pass Walter Davis to become the Suns' all-time leading scorer. Let's look at three-pointers. Devin Booker's made three, 795 regular season three-pointers in his career. That is currently the third most in Suns history. He's already number three in Suns history in three-pointers. He's at 795, and second place is 800. So he's going to move into second place within the first few games of the 2021-22 Wait, season. Wait, the guy can't shoot threes is going to be in second place here pretty quick? I know. So uh, – He's going to pass into second place just here soon. He probably will not pass into first place. First place made 1,051. That would be a little bit of a long shot. He'll probably get in in two seasons. But let's see if you guys can name the two guys ahead of him currently. Two guys have made more threes than Devin Booker. Well, one of them is Steve Nash, right? He is number one. Yeah. With 1,000? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, 800. Dan Marley. That is correct. Wow. Oh, sorry, nice. Coach, but I had, no, a, I, I had yeah. to do it. I, I was going to do Quentin Richardson, but I don't know if he uh, was around long. Wasn't, I mean, he was wasn't chucking around. him up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So last season, Booker Where passed Horny, Barbosa. Though? Oh my! <laughs> Where was Jeff Hornacek? Uh, let's see. I'm looking at the list right now. He's actually not that high up. I think he didn't shoot as many threes. He was a good shooter, but I think he shot inside the arc a lot. I'm looking at the list. Hornacek isn't in the top ten. That, that, that's what I mean. I, you always got to remember anytime those uh, those old uh, guys are interviewed nowadays, they're like, coach would get mad at me if I took more than two threes a game. He'd tell me to step <laughs> yeah. in and shoot. So, like they might have been good in that era, but yeah, that, they dream of this era. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, what was I going to say? Oh, shoot. I was going to say something and now I totally forgot it. Never mind. Move on. All so right, those next. are the top two and threes. Yep. Book is going to be. Uh, he's got he's got to hit a thousand. Oh yeah, I was gonna make a comment on book. Is it just? Am I the only one who thinks? Look, book has spent all of his time perfecting the mid range game. 
if he could just spend a little bit of time perfecting his three-point shot, doesn't it look, to me, it looks different. Like when he shoots his midi, he gets as high up as possible. He gets total elevation. He has a very high release on it. Super consistent. Gets his feet right. Does everything he needs to to get everything right. When he shoots threes, it looks like a completely different shot for him. Not only that, I think his three-pointer looks different in games than it does in practice. You see him shooting in practice, and he'll make like 50 threes in a row. And then you see him in the three-point competition, he's amazing. And it looks different when he shoots it in games to me. Yeah, I think it's in his head a little bit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if he would just spend a little bit more time focusing on threes, then our three-point contest winner, Devin Booker, would be a better three-point shooter, I I do believe. All right, what do you got for us next? Free throws. We're looking at free throws. Devin Booker is currently sixth with 2,072 free throws made in his NBA career for the Suns. Uh, He is 418 free throws behind fifth place. So he may or may not pass. He may or may not move up a spot this year. Uh, He's only made 400 free throws once in his career. But like I said earlier, these last two seasons were shorter seasons. So maybe with an 82 game season, maybe he will do it. But he's not going to move up a bunch of spots. But uh, let's see how many of those guys of those free throw makers you guys could make. So he's sixth right now. Let's hear how many other guys ahead of him you think you can name. How many free throws? I got to go with Amari as the first name that comes to mind. He is number three on the list. Free throws. So again, I don't think Charles was there long enough. Um, I see he's not in the top five, right? No. Charles Barkley? No. Uh, Did Marion uh, get to the stripe enough? Surprisingly, no. Marion is not. Booker already passed Marion. Oh, wow. Uh, Booker already passed. Dang, man. This is hard because the Suns do not have a long-term reputation for drawing free throws. I mean, just for longevity, um, Alvin Adams? Yes. Alvin Adams is the guy that he put his name up there too. (laughs) Um, Alvin, I think that's a longevity thing. Um, I might say longevity wise. I think it might say Walter Davis. Walter Davis is there. So that's numbers five and four. Adams is five. Davis is four. Stoudemire is three. Getting attacked by a, by a fly. This entire, I am this entire time. I've been swatting it away. <laughs> what about uh, Dan Marley? Marley is not there. Booker already passed Marley. Okay. Kevin Johnson. Kevin Johnson is numero uno. He is number uh-huh. one with 3,800. So Booker's still a ways away from Kevin Johnson at number one. And so which one are we missing? Number two. So you're missing number two. Yeah, I'll go uh, Paul Westfall. Good guess, but no. Right. It is the same guy you missed before, Dick Van Arsdale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We just, you know, oh, I can, I can make it. I, I started that. rereading this, but clearly I was not memorizing enough of the stats. But uh, <laughs> Wow. Uh, another really? shout out <laughs> to uh, – I stole this book. Uh, I went in a time machine. I stole it out of Espo's house. But uh, if anyone wants to learn a little bit of the history, for example, I'm in my 30s. And so I did not grow up with these guys uh, telling the stories. So to go back and actually learn a little bit, definitely recommend the little team that couldn't darn near did. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's the 1976 one, right? I believe so, yeah. J- by Joe Gilmartin. Joe Gilmartin. Yeah. I knew him. Uh, good guy. Very good guy. Unfortunately, he passed away in the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that was a heck of a season for sure. I'm even too young to really remember much in 1976 as a season. So it's, it's been a while. 
Um, all right. So you got you got anything else for us, Cody? Uh, no more trivia. I just want to shout out a couple things. I, those were all regular season stats. I took a look at the playoff stats, and you would be surprised after just one finals run, how high some of these guys were able to to climb. Booker scored 600 points. That already puts him 13th all-time in Suns playoff scoring. In one playoff run. In wow. one playoff. If he if he did that again this season, if he scored another 600, he'd move into the top five. You know what? I, I uh, It's been a couple of weeks, so now I've forgotten the exact thing, but I'm pretty sure... Uh, he is the leader in points scored in their in your first playoffs ever, right? That is correct. Uh, a couple other stats: uh, Chris Paul already that. already is tenth all time in Suns playoff assists. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is already eleventh in Suns playoff rebounds. And here's the one where you got a lot of guys: three pointers. We mentioned before that past eras did not shoot nearly as many threes, so that's a big reason yeah. for this. Who was the player this season that made the most playoff threes? Made the most playoff threes. Crowder. It was Crowder. He made 54, and that puts him already at seventh all time. <laughs> you know what's even more amazing? Salsa. What's even more amazing is he made all 54 in like three of the 22 games, and then the rest exactly. of the games he missed every shot. <laughs> so for playoff threes, Crowder is seventh with 54. Booker is 10th with 44. Bridges is 13th with 35. Cam Johnson, wow. 14th with 33. Chris Paul, 18th with 29. And uh, – where was the last one? I thought I saw campaign on there as well. No, I, yeah, campaign twenty-one with twenty-five. So we got wow. six guys in the top twenty-one in playoff threes already. Off of one, one more run, three. and they might <laughs> just dominate the top of that board altogether. Yep. Well, I, I, Cody, let me ask you a quick question here too, because it, it, it's making me think about it. Um, you know, when I ask a lot of uh, Suns fans who you know, who is the greatest player ever in Suns history? And of course, it's not a bad answer. A lot of people think it's Charles Barkley. But how? I mean, he was only with the team for a handful of years, not even. And so, you know, as you read off these stats, they kind of tell me the Suns have never had a lot of legacy players. Uh, we don't really draft them and keep them too long. I mean, you know, Steve Nash, we sent him out. We brought him back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Amari Stoudemire's got a lot of the stats, but we let him go. I mean, there's there's not a whole lot, unless you go back to the older eras where yeah, it was a little bit more back normal. To the older eras. Era. Yeah. So Alvin Adams, Kevin Johnson, although he wasn't even drafted by the Suns, he was acquired yeah. as a rookie. Um, but wow. Alvin Adams, Walter Davis. Um, Jake Van Arsdale, those are kind of the ones. Right. But as far as 90s forward who spent their entire career. No one. I mean, most of their career, at least, Sean Marion, Amari Stoudemire, that's but true. not their yeah. whole career. Well, you know, and uh, Nobody else actually stayed. Cody, do you know which Suns player has played the most games as a Suns? Alvin Adams. So it's Alvin um, Adams. Uh, Walter Davis is, I believe, two, yeah. or Kevin Johnson, maybe. The that that interesting question of most players that played their whole career here. There are actually only basically two guys, unless you count guys that like only played three years in the league. So guys that played more than five years and had their whole careers here. It's two guys with the same name, Alvin Adams and a man named Alvin Scott, who was kind of a role player just throughout wow. the 80s and spent his whole eight-year career here with the Suns. Those are basically the only two that spent their whole careers here. Nice. Wow, can you imagine? Uh, I think I also saw Devin Booker might be the uh, the first guy to sign and stay for all three 
first three contracts of his career. If you did that, yeah, except, like besides Alvin Adams. Yeah. Wow. All right, man. Uh, okay, that was great. Anything else you got for us, Cody's Corner? No, I love being able to talk about this stuff. I'm sorry if I bored everybody else. <laughs> you did not. This is fun. This is excellent. All right, let's move on to our big topic. We're an hour in. <laughs> We're good at talking. Uh, sometimes I overdo the uh, the schedule, the you know the the outline. Uh, so let's go to our big topic here. Just a second, and- Dave. I'm pretty sure I just killed the fly. I, I took a swipe and I, and I made contact. I'm not sure if it's dead or not, but I might be free from my, my tormentor. Might be- <laughs> <laughs> oh, good for you. Congratulations. And uh, flies, we get flies in my house too. Um, the uh, screen doors all have a little bit of a little bit of opening there and they all, and the flies just seem to love flying through the, the little slits. All right. Uh, let's see. Who's the best Suns team ever? Now, this, I was thinking we could do half the show on this, but you know what? We can go as long as you guys want to on this. Um, I want you guys to tell me who and why. uh, Who's your best Suns team ever and why? And um, if you've got any stats to back it up, great, but you don't have to. You could just do it based on the eye test. Cody, you could do it based on whatever you want to do it on. Coach, same thing. Uh, Let's start with Coach. So, who do you think is the best Suns team ever to play? Well, um, two names came to mind, uh, and that is uh, Marcus and Markeef Morris, the Mirai, <laughs> and the teams that they led. Uh, they've got to be in the discussion, at least, is what I'm saying. Uh, oh, we because, can discuss them. Oh, yeah, the, the best Suns team at what? Losing? Yes, maybe they have that title. So <laughs> you didn't ask the question exactly that way, but uh, – That's good. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest. I have a soft spot. Uh, when, when I was in, you know, my teenage years going into college, uh, the seven seconds or less era is right up there. Uh, and it's, I get it. They didn't ever make the title, uh, you know, run, but some of those teams, and I had to go back and look at it. Oh, four, Oh five and, uh, Oh six, Oh seven. I mean, winning over 60 games. Um, Oh man, those were some fun teams to watch that Joe Johnson, Steve Nash, Quentin Richardson, Amari Stoudemire, Boris Dia. Um, some of the names that come uh, to mind and the battles against the Spurs, the Mavericks, and the Lakers, uh, you know, finishing up in the Western Conference Finals and the semifinals, obviously didn't go as far as some of these other teams, but wow. Um, I, I always just thought that they were just one off season of just a few more practices away and that, uh, you know, that, that cliche, somebody's going to add 10 pounds of muscle. Somebody's going to learn that, oh, if I just apply myself more on defense, then it's over, uh, and we'd, we'd get over there. It, it's There's just something about those two teams, uh, 04, 05, and 06, 07 Suns, that uh, it, it's tough for me to take them down uh, from that number one spot yet. So, Coach, right, so I'm, you're I'm, saying So you're saying that's, that's your best team ever was the seven seconds or less Suns? Yeah, I think so. Coach, Can if you, you had to pick year? between those two, okay, yeah, I was go just going to say pick between those two because I, I I had narrowed it down which was the best seven seconds or less team to those two as well, and I had a really hard time deciding which one I thought was better. So That's tough, and, and I, I've actually got the, the rosters pulled up because I, I had to remind myself uh, of some of the role players because otherwise a lot of the stars kind of remain the same. Uh, I mean, with uh, 04, 05, you're looking at Stephen Hunter, Jim Jackson, Casey Jacobson, uh, where some of the, the names Bo Outlaw uh, was getting a little bit of use. 
Um, but uh, 06, 07, uh, Kurt Thomas was there. Uh, the, the Polish rifle, Eric Pakowski, uh, uh, and uh, James Jones uh, certainly was there. Uh, Raja Bell. Uh, I've got, you know, the, the clothesline heard around the association from Raja Bell really spoke to me because that was the first time as a Suns fan I felt like we weren't going to be the Lakers' little brother anymore. So there's moments that stand out from me from these teams that uh, tell me, you know, that kind of make me lean one direction. And uh, I kind of also had a soft spot for Kirk Thomas. I, I brought it up uh, one other episode, and I know the Carmel Thunder from down under was not a fan of the, the Kirk Thomas uh, acquisition. But when I'd watch that Spurs playoff series and Tim Duncan would have whatever he wanted, except for when Kirk Thomas would uh, uh, start slowing him down, he couldn't do a whole lot else. Maybe hit a mid-range jumper on occasion, get a couple rebounds. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd have to lean 0607 then, uh, and and uh, and take the Kurt Thomas uh, uh, type uh, acquisition and uh, and Raja Bell on that team as well. And we saw Boris Dia come into his own a little bit more then too. All right, so that's that's your pick is the 0607 team, um, Cody. What do you got as your best Suns team ever? <laughs> It's 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 difficult. I and and anyone that knows me, you know that I uh, of course when Dave told me this was going to be the topic, I I put together a whole chart with all these stats. Mm-hmm. I looked at point differential. I looked at record. I looked at how far they got in the playoffs, how deep they were, all those things. And I ended up with the team that a lot of people are saying in the chat, and it's it's cliche because it's true. It's the 92-93 season. This was the first season in Suns history of my life. I was born in 1992 in the summer, and uh, my very first season of life as the Suns, I think, was their best (laughs) year. I think Barkley, Marley, Kevin Johnson, Danny Ainge, Tom Chambers, Seth Sabalos, Mark West. I mean, these guys, Richard Dumas, incredible team. I think more than anything, the reason I went with them is because – in the playoffs, a lot of times you just need that absolute superstar that can take over a game. And I think as much as we've said Barkley wasn't here very long, him at his peak was better than any other player I think that's ever been here with the Suns. And that's that team ran into prime Michael Jordan. It took prime Michael mm-hmm. Jordan to beat them. I think in, in a normal year without the greatest player of all time playing against them, maybe they win the championship, but it just happened to be their end to that team and I still think 93 is the best team. You know, that's a good, that's a good way to look at it. <clears throat> if you put those teams in other eras or against other competition, which team would do better? And so I hadn't really, I hadn't really thought about that, Cody. Um, what if that 93 team played this year? Would they have won the finals? What, uh, maybe, maybe if, uh, if they had grown up with these rules as well, because I mean, those conversations always come down to, you know, what rules are we playing by just transporting them? Probably not because they're not used to the way it's played today, but I think sure. just from a yeah, talent no, standpoint, not just yeah, the, the import, but, but definitely if they were playing under today's rules, <clears throat> you got Paul Westfall as a rookie coach instead of Monty Williams as second year coach. Um, you've got KJ Chambers, um, Charles Barkley, you got all those guys. Um, Dan Marley was all-star level, um, reaching all-star level at that point. 
he might have been putting up 15 threes a game instead of seven or six or whatever he did. Um, I mean, Dan Marley, Dan Marley made eight threes in, a, in, in the finals game. And Jordan uh, took that personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. Um, so Giannis was one of the best ever in this finals. But if they had been playing under these rules, got used to playing under these rules, um, could the 93 team have won the championship this year? Yeah, I mean, but this this 21 Suns team actually almost won the championship this year. And <clears throat> that 93 team didn't did not suffer serious injuries, although people talk about KJ being pretty limited. Uh, it was either a knee or a hamstring. I can't remember which, but um, he was a little limited in those finals. Tom Chambers was getting a little bit older. He wasn't really fully himself, but he didn't have a big role anyway with Charles Barkley on the team. Um, that would have been interesting. People that say, I'm sorry, Jim, I uh, love you, Jim Rose Circus, love you, but um, I can't stand it when people say, that guy in this area would average 50. No one's ever averaged 50. Come on, man. Um, uh, Michael Jordan would average 50 in this. No, uh, every era is different for different reasons. If Steph Curry can't average 50, no one's going to average 50. So um, I would I would say that Barkley would be one of the best guys in the league, best players in the league for sure. Um, but And he might have been one of the top scorers as well. Um, that That's for sure. But um, it's it is different and different. Play, the the same team would play differently in different eras, for sure. So I don't know. I'm on the fence. I I would love to say the 2021 Suns are the best team ever because they went. They they're the only team ever to take a lead in a finals. But the 2021 Suns did not have to play prime Jordan, either. The prime Jordan Bulls. So um, I might have to go with 92-93. Yeah, they also, you're right, um, the big warthog, the 92-93 Suns lost said Sabalos, and they had to rely on more on Richard Dumas than they had otherwise needed, wanted to rely on. So I think um, that was, yeah, that I think the 93 team is probably still the best ever. Uh, but 2021, would I take them over seven seconds or less? You know, it almost feels blasphemous to take the 21 team over the seven seconds or less teams, but I actually think the 2021 team would beat the seven seconds or less team in a series under the under whatever rules. Ooh. What do you guys think of that? When I did well, my when I did my rankings, I so I, I ranked the top ten. Uh, I had the 2021 season Suns fourth. So I had 93 number one, then I had 2007, then 2005, then 93. So I think those early Nash teams, I, I give them a slight edge. But what, where I think it might but be – in what is, ways did you give them the edge, Cody? Tell me how the stats bore it out because the 21 Suns had a tons better defense. Yeah, way better defense, absolutely. But the, the seven seconds or less ones were so much better on offense than everyone that you know the point differential overall, the – the 2007 team is actually the best point differential of, of any team in, in Suns history, even though they didn't have the best record. I think that, you know, Amare is a kind of guy that this current team would really struggle to guard. I think it'd be similar to Giannis. And I just think that it's, it's close because the, the current team so much better defensively, more complete. 
less weaknesses, but I just think what the seven seconds or less teams were best at, they were so good at that I give them a slight edge. I'd be a little bit worried uh, that if uh, the 07 Suns uh, faced uh, this year's Suns, that Raja Bell might headbutt Devin Booker. <laughs> uh, because uh, Raja Bell, I mean, you, you, that, that's something that we kind of saw, didn't see as much, I think, from this team is kind of that enforcer play. I mean, Crowder kind of has that to an extent, but uh, that kind of guy that's willing to just max out his fouls every game. We, we played a lot of smart defense, but I tell you, in that finals, it just, you know, having one of the top defenses, uh, that, that's why so many people give so much props to Giannis and the Bucks is that that top defense of the Suns just didn't seem to slow anyone down. And I think that's why we saw Booker taking so many shots. So, uh, you know, jeez, oh, I, I think I think there could be enough defensive uh, that we didn't have a great defensive team with 07, but we had a couple of key players that could go and try and target some of this year's uh, Suns teams. But uh, and 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 actually, you guys are kind of convincing me because Dave, you made a great point with Charles Barkley, and then you too, Cody. You know, aliens went back and stole Charles Barkley's powers. They have yet to steal Devin Booker's powers uh, in any film. So. <laughs> There's only one player in Suns history that was that good uh, and made that kind of a difference. Yeah, that's uh, hmm. so okay. So let's 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 keep one on the could the 2021 team beat the seven seconds or less Suns? And a couple of people in the YouTube comments have have made have made the point and that I would make as well. Um, could let's let me turn, let me put it this way though. Could the 2021 team beat the prime Spurs or have a better chance against the prime Spurs than the seven seconds or less teams did? That's a good question. I think that they're better. They match up better. At the end of the day, though, before I even get into this conversation, I just have to say the 2007 Suns were better than the 2007 Spurs. We were the best team in the NBA that year. We got screwed over in not but, just – But that team but, didn't beat the Spurs. But they did it. They it were might the better have been team. better. They got they screwed over in 18 different ways. But I think you're right that the, that this Suns team, they would match up a lot better against those Spurs than than those teams did, that those old Suns teams did. I feel like the 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 problem with the seven seconds or less Suns was ultimately that when their offense got bogged down, see the the, the twenty twenty one Suns had their offense bogged down by the Lakers, their offense bogged down by the Clippers and by the Bucks, um, and they weren't lost, right? They didn't, they weren't losing the game because of that. They lost the game in in the finals. Eventually, they lost the series just because Giannis was so much better. But I would just say that um, the seven seconds or less team didn't have an answer when their offense got controlled. So that's why I might even give the 2021 Suns a little bit of an advantage. Um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to be a current team homer, and I'm going to say the 2021 Suns could beat the seven seconds or less Suns like the prime Spurs beat the seven seconds or less Suns, even though the seven seconds or less Suns may have had more overall talent well and i think actually you know that reminds me too depth uh i mean granted we wanted that secondary uh you know post defender uh this year in the in the finals but this team for the most part we had a lot of bench players that could come in and play meaningful minutes and 
the one thing that I had the hardest time with with the uh, D'Antoni era was he kept that a short rotation. And and it might have been to a degree out of necessity. I think we could have looked around a little bit more for different players. But when you've got, uh, and maybe I'm still butchering his name, but Piakowski uh, getting about uh, 18, 20 minutes a game uh, it was rough. Um, so, you know, it, you know, if there's one game, I think the seven seconds or less Suns win. If you're talking about the series, I definitely think, yeah, this year's team probably can just outlast the seven seconds or less. And that's kind of what we would see with the seven seconds or less teams in the playoffs was they would dominate the regular season because they just had to beat you in that one game that night. But then to beat you four out of seven times, I mean, then all of a sudden teams, uh, I remember the Mavericks had, was it Sagana Giap uh, as their mm-hmm. center, who I couldn't tell you anything else he did except somehow beat the Suns uh, in, in playoff <laughs> series. Uh, that seemed right. to be all he was known for. So uh, there was, you're right, there was those moments that when the Suns offense bogged down, they didn't have a defense that could keep them close enough in it. Whereas this team, even if our offense bonds down for a little bit, I, I mean, there was that – how long was that run where it just seemed like nobody could score in the Suns-Bucks game, uh, like started in the third quarter and went late into the fourth? Um, that is that is a difference. And, and that, to me, you're right. Uh, uh, the This year's team would last and win in a series, I think. Any further – any final comments on that, Cody, or, or yeah. Coach, anything? I think it's, it's, it's great – that we just witnessed a team that you could argue could beat any team in a series and in, in, in Suns history. We don't know what actually would happen until they actually played, but the 93, we've been blessed with a great 93 team. We were blessed with a great seven seconds or less. And now we're blessed with the 2021 Suns who are all under contract for seasons going forward. And no one's really declining. I mean, it's possible Chris Paul will decline, I think it's more likely that he gets injured more than his, his play falls off. Um, so we can just cross our fingers on, on his health, but um, we're really in a, in a great era of Suns basketball. And we, we, I'm glad we're all appreciating it the way we are. Um, thank you guys for coming on the show today. I really, really appreciate it. We're an hour 17 in. Thank you. Thanks everyone else for staying with us for a longer show than usual. We had a lot to talk about. It's the off season. Nothing happens, right? And yet we we have a ton to talk about. So thanks everyone for staying. Cody, tell us, tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, you can call me. You can find me on Twitter at, at Ryan Felipe. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at, at co underscore d so code d hunt uh i occasionally write for i mentioned earlier zona hoops.com uh got something up there right now about uh, um i don't even remember what i just wrote about about what chris paul could do for the rest of his career so go go yes. go give that a look um and uh yeah i'm uh and I'm a podcast free agent, so if anyone wants to invite me on your podcast, I'm 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 available. <laughs> hey man, let me let me match any offers. Come on, <laughs> Don't take Cody's corner trademark. Me. You're restricted free agent. I had you first. Uh, that's right. I've got the trademark. You can't use Cody's corner anywhere else. All right, Coach, tell us where we can find you. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at uh, Fallen Founder. Uh, if you want to see me there, I've uh, pretty much. Uh, just started using Twitter to talk about sports because the rest of Twitter can be a bit of a nightmare show. So uh, uh, come check out all my hot takes, including how I think big Jake Sakalitas was arguably one of the greatest centers. The Suns uh, organization has ever had. Oh man. Wow. That's not even his name. 
But anyway, okay. <laughs> you know, that, that the, the fake Jake uh, was one of the best sun centers uh, we've ever had. <laughs> All right. Uh, you can find me. My name is Dave King NBA on Twitter. Uh, you can find my writing at brightsideofthesun.com, the best sun's blog out there. Uh, obviously on the solar panel, you can find me on Saturday mornings, like with you guys on YouTube and also do midweek pod releases that are audio only. You have to look for the new podcast feed and you have to look for the new Twitter suns, uh, the solar panel pod. We switched over on the Twitter. That's going to get rebranded by Greg and Saul. They're going to do something new and special and really cool starting in September on point that that's going to get, uh, totally renamed and rebranded the old stuff. So make sure if you want to hear the midweek audio um, of the interviews of, of, of great folks around the world of basketball, subscribe to the new feed and follow the uh, new Twitter handle. Thanks, everybody, for coming on today, for listening and joining us on a Saturday morning or wherever you are in the world. We have watchers, listeners from 200 different countries. So could be midday for you, could be evening, could be Sunday, could be Friday. I don't know how the time zones work. I only live in Arizona. We never change our time. That's all I know. Um, so I appreciate you all for coming on. And you guys have a great day. <laughs>